Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts. As we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I don't know about you, but you hear a story like Dr. Bungo's and you're reminded of the power of prayer. You're reminded of what the reason that we've talked about this now for two weeks and going into our third week, about the importance of prayer in our lives and what that means to us and what that really looks like. It's fascinating. You can look at um, the fastest growing churches in the, in the country, the fastest growing churches around the world, who are wholeheartedly believed in two things. Number one, staying true to the Word of God and praying, and doing those things without ceasing. Why? Because it's those churches, it's those congregations that are realizing and remembering the power of God, that our power is in Him. It's not in us. It's not in anything we can say. It's not in anything we can do, but the power is directly from Him. You just heard that story. You know, I don't know about you, but Thursday night was kind of one of those eerie nights, and it wasn't just because it was Halloween. Yes, it was dark, but it was, it was windy, it was rainy, it was one of those nights that really none of us in northern Ohio like, because there's some doubt going on. There's wonder what's happening. You know, you don't know if the lights are going to go out, you don't know if the power is going to go out, some branch is going to come down, somebody's going to have an accident down the street, and all of a sudden, you're watching the TV and everything goes black. And we've all been there, haven't we? And, you know, for the first hour, it's kind of nice. You know, you get the candles out and you light them and you imagine, oh, this must have been what it was like when our great-grandparents were here. And you're going, really nice. And then after about an hour, you're going, okay, um, I've had about all I can take of my great-grandparents, you know. And it's like, um, can it just come back on? And you're, like, anxiously waiting for the power to come back on. Because there's something about that. You can look outside and it's dark. It's like you're out in the boonies and you're out in the sticks and, you wonder what's going on when you know that there's a house 30 feet away. It's like, there's one right there. I just can't even see it. It's that dark. And it's eerie. Something happens to us when the power goes out. Darkness comes in. Doubt comes in. Wonder comes in. And there's an amazing thing that happens to us when we truly understand and we realize that there is power. And I'm talking about wonder-working power in God's love. When we turn our lives over to him and we give him all that we are and all that we have, and he works in us in that sense. You know, we wrap up this series on prayer, and it's been a short series, and I, I don't know about you, but I've enjoyed sharing it. I've enjoyed what it means to us and what it looks like. It's fascinating. We, uh, we didn't really go through how, exactly how to pray and what does that look like, we could have given you the Acts model, the adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. We talked about that a couple years ago. Instead, I walked through the Lord's Prayer. And what does that look like, and how do we do that? In the sense that that's the idea of praying regularly, 
of praying privately and sincerely and specifically. And how, and how do we do that? How do you do that in your life? And I hope that every time that we share a message, whether it's Daryl or myself, that we share a message, that you understand that the question is always to you. How do you become a better person? And realize that as we preach, the first person we always preach to is ourselves. So as I talk about what it means to pray, it's because i got a lot of praying to do. I've got a lot of figuring out in my own life to do and what that looks like. You know, we walk through Daniel's life and how his amazing life of faith and prayer led him when times were good and led him, led him literally when his life was on the line. His faith led him to the face of lions and he came out without a scratch. And there's power in those stories. I guess the reason I say that is because many times we look at them as just these stories, almost like they're fictitious, that they happened in some book a long time ago. Listen, these are real-life events that we read about in the Word of God. They're real. They happened. And involved, they were, there was power involved in those events. Prayer, someone once observed, I'm going to read this for you, has already divided seas, rolled up the flowing rivers. It has made flinty rocks gush into fountains. It has quenched flames of fire. It has muzzled lions, disarmed vipers, and poisons. It has marshaled the stars against the wicked. It has stopped the course of the moon and arrested the sun in its race. It has burst open iron gates and recalled souls from eternity. It has conquered the strongest devils and commanded legions of angels to come down from heaven. Prayer is bridled and chained the raging passions of men, destroyed vast armies of proud, daring, blustering atheists. Prayer has brought one man from the bottom of the sea and carried another in a chariot of fire to heaven. Friends, there is power in prayer. There is power in prayer. And you and I need to understand that. You and I need to know that. And the question is, is do we believe that this morning? We've talked about it for a few weeks. Do we really believe that there's power in prayer? And I know at times we do, and I know at times we don't. I know at times I do, and times I don't. It's interesting. Survey says that 85% of Americans pray. Okay? Think about that. 85% of Americans pray. Of that 85%, 20%, ready for this, are atheists and agnostics. Now, what they pray to, who they pray to, I have no idea. But they pray, which means that even they believe there's power in prayer. And if they can believe that, why should we not truly understand what that's all about? You see, God has offered us a source of power in our prayer. But most of us never tap into it. We go to him in our times of weakness. We go to him in our times of need. We go to him when we want something or we need something. We go to him with our prayer list. And that's the only time we ever close our eyes and we ask God. And we don't really tap into that power. Today I want to talk about a story that many times we only look at it during the Easter time. Many times it's overlooked because of all the other events that are happening. It's one that's mentioned three out of three of the four Gospels. And even hinted at in the fourth. It's in a time when the, the disciples were drained. Their energy was gone. Their enthusiasm was pretty much down. Jesus himself was worn out, beaten down, full of sorrow and agony. It's Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
I mean, they had celebrated a huge week. The triumphal entry, crowds of people just gathering around them. There was always a buzz about them and everything they did. The cleansing of the temple, the change charges from religious leaders, remembering the Passover meal, Jesus washing disciples' feet. He had questioned his betrayer. He had instituted a new covenant. And all that on their way back to Bethany, he stops at a very familiar place. Probably his favorite place to pray. And there we see some interesting things about Christ's life that should speak volumes to us. First, there is power in honesty. Listen, all of them were worn out. They were fatigued, and Jesus tells them that he's going into the garden to pray. He asked Peter and James and John to go with him a little farther, and then he says that he went off a stone distance by himself to pray. In Matthew 26, 36 through 38, we read these words. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane and said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Here we see probably the most personal prayer in Jesus' life. He was overwhelmed. He was full of sorrow and agony. We see the human side of his nature. We see the human side of his flesh. He was exhausted. And yet his mind was always about fulfilling his father's mission no matter what. Listen, how would you do if you sat down to pray for a while and you knew every event that was going to happen in the next 24 hours? He knew the trials. He knew the mockery, the scourgers whipped, the crown of thorns, more betrayal. He knew the nails would be pierced into his hands and his feet. He knew that he would face the cross. And his sorrow, his pain, and his agony were only intensified by his knowledge of the law and knowing what was happening. I want you to think about this for a moment. In the Gospel of John, John says that when they left the upper room, his disciples, uh, to go with, the, go with them to the garden, they crossed the Kidron Valley. And in that valley was a stream called the Brook of Kidron that flowed down from the Temple Mount. Now think of the day, think of the moment in that life, of his life. It was the Passover. Thousands of lambs would have been sacrificed that day in the temple. That brook flowed down from the Temple Mount. So what would have been in that brook? The blood of many of those sheep. And as Jesus, who we call the Lamb of God, crossed over that brook, if he looked down, it was stained with the blood of the Lamb. And in his own mind, he had to have been thinking, tomorrow, it will be my blood that's flowing. He knew the events that were leading up to that very moment. You wonder why he was in sorrow. You wonder why he was in agony. You wonder why he was in pain. It was right there. His future was before him. In Luke 22, 40, 44, we read these words. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly 
and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Scientists say that it is possible for blood capillaries to burst in times of immense anxiety. Jesus literally was pouring his heart out to his God, out to his Father. I guess my question this morning is, is when was the last time you poured your heart out to God? And I'm not talking about just say, God, I need this, or I want this, I need this, I want this. No, I mean you poured your heart out to God. That you cried before him with tears flowing down your eyes, and you said, God, I can't do this myself anymore. I can't do it my own. I can't do my own life. I have to live for you, and I need you right here with me. There is power in that kind of prayer. There is power when we're honest with God, and he sees it. But there's also a power in submission. Verse 39, it says, going a little farther, he fell to his face to the ground, and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, Yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus wasn't worried about what he wanted in his life. Even at this moment of weakness, it wasn't about what he wanted. It wasn't about what he needed. And he submits. Not 50%, not 90%, not even 99%. He commits completely, fully, wholeheartedly to God and says, this is what I would love to see happen, but God, it's not about me. And like Jesus, you and I need to know that in our prayers, it's not about us. And I know that's difficult at times. It is not about us. And in the midst of his agony, he goes back and he checks on his friends. And what are they doing? They're sleeping. I don't know if you've ever uh, listened to any dramatic versions of this on, um, on tape. There's one that I've heard, and when Jesus comes back, it's almost like he has this angry voice, like, why can't you wait just for one hour? I I just can't imagine Jesus being that way. I can imagine him full of love and understanding that they're tired and they're weak and they're, they're exhausted. It was a busy week. And him simply saying to them, hey, keep watch so that you don't fall into temptation. Keep watch. In other words, be here with me. Pray with me. Pray alongside of me in that sense. Because I know what's going to happen tomorrow. And I need people to pray with me. So keep watch. And listen, I don't know about you, but we all need that kind of prayer. We all need people to stand beside us and to pray with us and to help us and encourage us along this journey called life. But something else happens There's this honesty that comes out in prayer. There's a submission that comes out in prayer. But there's also this sense where God tells us that there is power in persistence. We've talked about this every week. Why? Because I want to be persistent in my message to help you to understand this. There's power in persistence. Jesus doesn't just pray this prayer one time. He prays it three times. Right there in the garden. Is continuous in that process over and over again. He says, God, listen, this is what I need you to hear. There's power in our repetition. Not necessarily in those repetitious prayers, but in those things that we come to him time in and time out and time in and time out. Jesus is pretty much saying, God, here, take this. 
Take it away from me. I don't need it anymore. I don't want it anymore. He's giving it in God's hands. And listen, that assurance should help us believe. That assurance should comfort us in our sorrows. That assurance alone should give us strength when ours is not enough. And the last thing is there is a supernatural power in prayer. I'm not going off the dark side here. Don't worry, I'm not going off the deep end of that sense. I'm talking about something supernatural. But I do believe there's a supernatural power in prayer. I believe that you and I are renewed in that prayer. Verses 45 and 46, something happens. Something happens to Jesus there in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, then he returned to the disciples and he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Notice the tone. I think everything changes right here. He says, look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Max Licato said at one time this way, he says, the power of prayer is not in the one praying, but in the one who hears our prayers. The power is God's alone. Something happened there in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus went from being tired and weary and worn out, almost to the point of death, and now all of a sudden he comes back out to them after the third time of praying, and he is empowered. He is strengthened. I envision this in my way, Jesus walking out with almost looking like he had had a complete shower, shaved, he was clean cut, he was ready to go, and here he goes, it's time, bring it on. He was ready. And you want to know where his renewed strength comes from? There was only one place. There was only one thing that had happened in the garden. It had to have come from that time of prayer alone with God. Luke twenty two forty three tells us a little bit more. It says that an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Friends, there is supernatural power in prayer. I'm not saying that during your prayers you're going to see an angel come and stand before you and give you strength. But I am saying that God surrounds you and I in our prayers, in our times of prayer, and he's there with us. Each time that we raise our voice. And it was only after a time of prayer that we see Jesus renewed. We see that he's ready for anything. He says, let's go. He knows what's going to happen. He's ready for the trial. He's ready for the mocking. He's ready for the scourging. He's ready for the beatings. He is ready for the cross. After he fell to his knees in prayer. Bill Hybels, in my favorite book on prayer, Too Busy Not to Pray, says this. He says that if a prayer request, request is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong... God says, slow. If we are wrong, God says, grow. But if everything is right, God simply says, go. There was power in that prayer. There was a supernatural power for Jesus to realize he needed that moment. So let me ask you, what are your prayers like? I mean, what is he really like? God, thank you for this day. 
Thank you for your chance to wake up again. What are they like? Are they sincere? Are they honest? Is there a submission to there to say who God is in your life and who you are? Is there a sense of repetition in your life? Is there any power in those prayers? It's time, honestly, that you and I pray expectantly. God has amazing things in store for the church. God has amazing things in store for your life. And many times we pray, well, God, you know, if you could make this. No, it's not if God can make something happen. God can make something happen. And too many times we pray that way. Almost like, okay, maybe he can do it. No, he can do it. God can do it. No matter what we need, no matter what we want, God can provide. $40,000 for surgery, God can provide. Why? Because we believe and we pray. And I know there are several people in this room in this morning besides Dr. Boonuga that could tell you about answers to prayer. Amazing answers to prayer in their life and their health and their finances. They could tell you. But listen, before we come to a close on this series, there's just two things of just the last three weeks have been burning on my heart, and I just need to share them. Because as I said to you, I many times we preach, we preach with you, but I, I preach to myself. These are two things that I need to be reminded of every day in my life when it comes to prayer. And that is a sense that effective emergency prayer should always be preceded by regularly, regular daily prayer. Did you catch that? In other words, you're going to pray, God, in the midst of emergency. Make sure that you pray every day. From week one, I told you that God is your Father. He is our Father, the Abba Father in our lives. He wants to hear your voice. Every day. I know one of the greatest joys of my wife's life is every afternoon or every day about 8 o'clock when Brianne gets off of work or Amber calls about 4.30 and our girls call her literally every day. They don't talk to dad. They talk to mom. Every day. And there was like two days there in a row that neither one of them had talked to him. And she was, she was like... I hope everything's okay. I don't want to call them. I don't want to feel like I'm getting antsy. And all of a sudden they called and she was like, it's the girls. Why? She loves to talk to her kids. She loves to hear their voice. God's the same way. He loves to hear your voice. Not just in times of emergencies. Not just in the times of want. He wants to hear your voice every single day. It's like the little boy whose mom and dad heard him over praying, heard him praying. He said, God bless my mommy and my daddy. And dear God, take good care of yourself. Because if anything happens to you, we're sunk. We are sunk without God. We're hopeless. We don't know who he is and where, he, where to go. The second thing is this. Melvin Newland said this, and I, I picked up on it, and it would just hit me across the face. He said, prayer strengthens us to face our difficulties more than it does to change our circumstances. Did you catch that? Prayer helps us in our difficulties. It doesn't necessarily change the circumstances that we're in. 
We got ourselves into that mess many times. But it helps us when we are weak. And sometimes we need to see miracles. Sometimes we need to hear those stories about miracles that are happening around us. Think about the Garden of Eden. For, I mean, not the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Gethsemane for a moment. In Jesus' prayer, he said, Father, not my will. What did he want? He wanted to be released from that trial. What was God's initial answer? No. God told his son, no. It's not what you want, it's what I want. God says, it's what I need, it's what I want, it's what has to happen here, this is what's going to happen. Realize there are times when God is going to say no, and that hurts, we don't want to hear it, and that makes us mad. But he tells us anyways. Billy Graham once said this, prayer is not about using God. It's more often about getting us in a position where God can use us. So it's time. It's time to not just read your Bible. I can't tell you how happy I was last October when so many people filled out cards that I knew we were reading literally through the Bible almost every week as a congregation. That we were praying almost 21 hours a day. That was the commitment I want to encourage you to keep doing that. I want to encourage you to, to imp- magnify that, maybe by five minutes, maybe by ten minutes. Jesus came back to the disciples in the garden. He said, could you not watch with me one hour? That's a long time. I'm not there yet. I'd love to tell you that I pray an hour every day. I, I don't. I'm working up to it. But imagine what would happen if God's people, if his church, would take one twenty-fourth of the time they have and would say, God, help me, use me. Thank you for all you've done. How would our lives change drastically if we took an hour in prayer? Ten minutes in the morning, ten minutes in mid-morning, ten minutes at lunch, ten minutes in the afternoon, ten minutes at dinner, ten minutes at night. Wow. That's 60 minutes. That's an hour. How different would our lives be? Because he wants to change us. He wants to renew us. He wants the church to make a difference in the world. Not just in the United States, but in Africa, in India, in Barbados, in South America, wherever we are, God wants to make a difference, and that happens when his people get on their knees and they pray. Father, thank you. I know we took a few extra minutes this morning, and I'm not going to apologize for that. Father, thank you for listening to us. Thank you for hearing us. Father, every single person in this room right now has got something going through their mind. Wondering how they can change, what they can do, how can, how can they act to this message, put an action to this message? Where can they find time to pray a little bit more during the day? And Father, I pray that you would print that upon their heart, that you would write that upon their mind. Help them to realize that all you want us to do is talk to you, to realize who you are and the power that you provide for us to live every day 
in every moment of this life. Father, maybe someone here this morning doesn't know Jesus and maybe they're wondering what some of this conversation's about. I pray that they would come up to us and ask us so we can have that conversation. Maybe somebody knows that decision and they know that they need to be baptized in the water to be raised in a newness of life and to have the Holy Spirit come into their life. Because that's where the real power resides is when the Spirit comes in and fills us and renews us. Father, help us that in our walk that we realize that we're not alone. And help us to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's not just us speaking, you hearing our voice, but Father, help us to be still and know that you are God so that we can stop, be still, and we can hear your still, small voice. Thank you that we're not in this walk alone, that we're running the race alongside of you, and at times you're lifting us and carrying us. Thank you for your love. Thank you for Jesus in his name.